Hello and welcome to the Moisture Farm Report, the Star Wars podcast that is still having a case of the post-Star Wars celebration blues. But I guess we're here, we're talking about more Star Wars and that's going to cure them. Uh, my name is James Matthews and with me as always is Adam Wheeler. How are you doing? I am doing great, apart from the Star Wars celebration blues, which I'm sure that we are both suffering mm. pretty badly. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I reckon that you're probably still suffering from all the travelling that you did across that weekend. <laughs> yeah, you were in the comfort of your own like home territory. I had to <laughs> spend like four hours on a coach just to get to London. And um, yeah. It was worth it though. And, and your uh, insufferable fridge that you had to cope with throughout the entire night oh god yeah <laughs> yeah i i had this fridge in my hotel room that was so noisy and every like hour or so it just start gurgling as if it was about to like catch fire or run away yeah and i was like this is horrible but luckily i'm a deep enough sleeper that it didn't wake me up at i all. enjoy those kind of character building things in hotels yeah. that you get just just those things that make it memorable like i i remember yeah. staying in a hotel once which ha- which the wi-fi only the wi-fi only worked so far um sorry it only worked up to pretty much the door and then anywhere from mm. that it didn't so you'd always have to sit just in sort of the frame of the door with it slightly open to mm. even get a signal of wi-fi at night and it was oh like god that's so annoying but, it, but but it's something that i always remember fondly in a in a weird way mm. because it was something that me and a family member had to do together and we always just joke about yeah. it so <laughs> Mm. And yeah, and it was just a great weekend overall. So I guess that sort of, you know, it, it was a brilliant week. It was a brilliant time. And uh, mm-hmm. and since then, I think it's been a brilliant time as well since with a lot of things with The Mandalorian coming out. Um, the most recent yes. episode, that is, with a lot of very interesting things yep. happening in it. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, James. One of the best car boys. Oh, absolutely. Um, this here <laughs> is our season finale. It is indeed. It's our end of season party. Uh, party! One where are we, we... Are we having a party? We should have brought a cake. No, but we do have drinks. Or, two, or a cake each. That's very true. We do have yeah, drinks. I've got a nice glass of whiskey right now. And here. I have um, a choice right now between white wine... Oh, yes, you do. And a choice between white wine and a and some cider. Uh, because cider is my favourite drink just to have as a, as a thing. But I thought, why not crack mm. open some white wine for, for the special occasion? Mm. So I'm going to let James choose on this occasion. James? Oh, no. What should I do? Don't give me that, because I was telling you earlier to mix them. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> give me this do responsibility. That. Are you mad? <laughs> that's, that's if I you want could... to get sloshed on this episode, James, which is not yes, certainly a bad idea. Um, yeah. yeah. If you if you got a couple of straws, you could go the benthic two tubes route and just true. have like cider going in the left side and, and white wine in the right side. <sighs> you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go for the white wine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Touch I'm of class. Go pour some white wine. I had some red wine a couple of weeks ago. But we're feeling the whites today. So there we go. Cheers, James. Cheers. Here's to season four, four whole seasons of the Moisture Farm Report. So, and just as we are cheersing together with um, some alcohol, let's also move on to a different beverage by saying if you want to support the podcast, you can literally go on down to buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep where you can literally donate as little or as much as you want. James, I'm going to take a sip of my white wine. Ah, lovely. Very good. Mm, that sounds refreshing. Nice. Um, James, shall we just, I don't know, get on into it and let everyone know what we're talking about? Yub nub. So, mm-hmm. James, for the final time this season, but not the final time for, I suppose, 2023, because we'll be back, obviously, this year. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about today? 
We are, like you said, harking back to the end of season one. If you can remember back that far to what, 2021? 2021? Was it really? 20- yeah. I suppose it was. December yes, 2021. Probably the, yeah, the end of 2021. My goodness. Yeah. Where we, uh, we delved into the darker corners of the Lucasfilm archive to watch the Star Wars Holiday special from 1978. Uh, and this week... We are doing a similar sort of thing. We're picking another little, like, dark edge of Star Wars lore <laughs> that Lucasfilm doesn't really like talking about or remembering. Because we've decided to watch Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure. And, of course, this is part of a uh, three-film three, uh, three film sort of trilogy, as, as, as they are. It is three films, isn't it, James? I did get that right. I think right. it's two. Um, I think they were planning a third one and never two? did it. Um, okay, maybe it's. Two I think it's then. Caravan of two... Courage and the Battle of Endor, but there's an Ewoks Endor, cartoon right. that we could always come back oh, to another I see. time. Yes. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> right. It was followed by a sequel, so it's just one. Yeah. So part. So two part sort of film um, duo mm-hmm. uh, that was released. I think was it released in 1984? Yes. This film? Something yeah. like that. And I believe it's set, or at least the first film is set between the events of. Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Uh, sorry, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's the white wine speaking there. <laughs> yeah, it's like a kind of wibbly wobbly timey wimey adventure. Yeah, it's all it's all weird, isn't it? Um, Return of the Jedi between between mm. obviously that, um, and uh, yeah, as James said, it is one of those things that Lucasfilm sort of don't want you to know exists, but <laughs> and for a long time people couldn't access it in any mm. way. I think there was a a short DVD release, and then it was. It was it was gone and you couldn't get it anywhere until it was nicely put up on Disney Plus <laughs> for all of us to be to enjoy, which we did today. Yeah, I was surprised at this. I found out it was only added in 2021, I think, like begrudgingly by Lucasfilm and Disney. Um yeah. you've really got to look for it. I was trying to find it this morning, and I was just like, you've got to scroll through so many bars in the Star Wars section of Disney Plus. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things that I think as we'll talk about, you know, mm. you've got to look at these kind of things with a take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Also, understand that it was, you know, it was made at a different time and it was also made for a different audience. Yes. I think that Caravan of Courage is certainly just like the holiday special. It caters to not only just a TV uh, prime time audience rather than a film mm. film audience, but also a much more younger audience. Yes. Someone, you know, I think certainly George Lucas at the time. Um, and 1984, I think, was raising a young a young kid at this mm. point, and I think very much maybe this was to his taste of wanting to really write for write something that his children would enjoy, and it really does have a sort of festive spirit to it, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, he was. Um, it was his daughter Amanda, I think. I think she was like three or four at the time, um, and she was a huge fan of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. So George Lucas wanted to write something for her, um, which reminded me a little bit actually of going back to Star Wars Celebration last week. I went to a panel for the Young Jedi Adventures cartoon that's coming out next month, I think it is. Um, and it was it was quite interesting because the two creators, James Woe and Michael Olsen, were both speaking about how they wanted to... Like, they had young kids and wanted something Star Wars-y they could show them like yeah. before they were old enough for the films. So it's kind of... It's interesting, like, that idea is coming back with another thing. Um, I know. It's so crazy. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I mean... We, me and James both went away and listened to it today, or watched mm-hmm. it today, um, all the way through, and I guess we have some thoughts yes. on it, the events of what unfolded in front of our <laughs> eyes, um, some production notes and general thoughts on the whole thing. 
Um, so James, um, mm-hmm. let's just let's just start with, I guess, like, what are your general thoughts on it coming away from it? Did you enjoy it? Well, Did you not enjoy it? <laughs> well, I I feel like this is going to be a hot take, and it shouldn't be. Okay. But I quite liked it. Oh really? I yeah. <laughs> okay. I was genuinely surprised. I mean, my enthusiasm for it waned the longer it went on because no. it's quite long. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like an hour and a half. Which yeah. yeah. It really doesn't need to be. Sure. But... I didn't expect you to enjoy it. I almost thought really? it would. It would because you because I remember you not liking the holiday special. But I suppose there was. Yeah. But I didn't like the holiday special, and there were reasons for <laughs> that. And I suppose this isn't quite on that level with of absurdity. This actually, mm. I think you can make the argument that you know it is you know it is a nicely put together film in many ways. And I, I and I yeah. and I think I'm sort of in a similar ballpark to you where I. While it wasn't to my taste at times, and it mm-hmm. might have been, you know, there there were lulls certainly in the film where I I felt yes. myself grasping for things. I I did enjoy the purity and the sort of childlike nostalgia of it. It sort of gave mm. me a sort of Home Alone meets Lord of the Rings kind of kind of vibe in in a strange it did feel way. Very Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that, that, I mean, and may, maybe we'll talk about that in a in a bit. Yes. But, but <laughs> I there were times when I. In in my sort of appreciation of all things sort of that are catered to young people, there's there's mm. a lot of things that touch my heart a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so I I don't know. I I think I'm the same as you. I kind of endearingly liked it in many ways. Mm. Which <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be things that we pick apart, but you know, it, yeah. at least it was somewhat you know palatable and likable in a way. Yeah, I th- I went into it like expecting it to be just unwatchable because all I've heard about it is bad things but i yeah it, it's fine it's a film yes um, <laughs> it certainly is yeah i guess there is no other way than to just sort of dive on in to yes. the film itself and just sort of talk oh, a little God, bit how about much what, can what I remember? happens in it and and it, the, the film sort of starts um obviously on the forest moon of endor with mm. a um a crash a starfighter crash and this is the tawani family and their star cruise, mm-hmm. cruiser re- um, lands on Endor, and the characters uh, Katarin and Jeremit, who are the father and mother of Mace and Sindel, um, mm. they are all stranded on this planet. Um, and then the father and the mother are captured, or or they are, they they disappear at the beginning, which very much mm-hmm. leaves the children alone on the forest moon. And they are sort of left to their own devices. And I and I, the first thing that struck me at the beginning was mm. was kind of how the young boy of Mace very much was cast in a very quasi Luke Skywalker way in his looks. Mm. I just in just terms of like his the fringe <laughs> and the hair. And yeah. I don't know. There was something very Luke Skywalker about him. I don't know if you shared that sentiment. Yeah, I thought the same thing, like, especially the, his outfit, because he's wearing, like, a kind of orange um, jumpsuit with a white vest, and it looks almost like he's cosplaying, like, a rebel pilot. And there was even a point later in the film when I noticed there's something hanging on his belt that looks like a toy lightsaber. Yes. And I just thought, like, is he just, like, the galaxy's biggest Luke Skywalker fan? <laughs> and he goes everywhere dressed as him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which feels like a risky move when you said this is set before Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
so crazy. I love that it's just like the Star Wars equivalent of you when you have that kid that just won't take off the Spider-Man costume. Yeah, that is it, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah the, the little girl was like, oh, he's playing, he's playing Rebel Alliance again. It's like, stop it! I'm allowed to enjoy myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's in and 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 so they go on and they mm-hmm. eventually. Um, they eventually get chased, don't they, by this 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 little creature, and yes. the creature chases them up into this thing, and eventually it goes away, and this leads them into the encounter with the Ewoks, which become mm. the central or almost the pillar of the story, really, and yeah. the vehicle to which they need to kind of recruit them as people to help them find their mother and father again. Mm. I don't know about you, but I was surprised at how good the Ewoks looked. Because I've seen yeah. pictures yeah. of Ewoks from these shows before, yeah. and they look terrifying. Yeah. And I think those pictures are more from the second one. I think the first one, they look so much closer to the film. Yeah, um, Yeah, I was surprised by how good they looked. Like they It did, looks they? like they just rolled out from filming Return of the Jedi. They very much did look like they were pretty much the same costumes. I wonder if they were the same yeah. costumes that were used. I know that May well have been, yeah. I, I, I believe, um, and you might... I don't know whether I'm wrong in this, but I'm pretty sure some of the actual uh, actors that played some mm. of the Ewoks did return for this. So I think Warwick yeah. Davis returned as an Ewok in this. Yeah, Warwick Davis definitely did. Um, I don't know what other actors played Ewoks in the film, but I know that uh, I'm pretty sure all of the actors who played Ewoks in this were actors from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And yeah. like George Lucas said, he didn't need to audition them because he knew they could do the job from yeah. being in the film before. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's quite an interesting uh, <laughs> interesting proposal to them, I suppose. It's like, look, <laughs> right, um, Warwick, I've got a very good uh, role for you. It's going to be incredible. Mm. And he's like, oh, please don't let it be an Ewok again. Please don't let it be an Ewok again. <laughs> he's like, another Ewok. so hot. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, he seemed to enjoy it. He did. No, I'm sure he did. And it, it, but I, I agree with you. They do. The, the Ewoks do look very, very good for what is effectively mm. a TV production. Um, you know, yeah. you've seen sort of the the Wookiee costumes in the holiday special were sort of a little bit not quite yeah. what we see in the actual films. And this kind of did feel like some of the production was almost up to scratch than the actual mm. one of the films. Yeah, and I wonder if that's because Lucasfilm were actually involved. In make it like, like this is an actual Lucasfilm production, whereas yes. the holiday special was oh, I can't remember the name of the production company, but yeah, yeah, I that can't had remember. way less money behind it. I think. No, it's no, the exec George Lucas was an executive producer on this, so he very much had yes. a, a, a pivotal hand at most of the things that happened. While he wasn't on set quite a lot, he very much was apparently instrumental in most of mm. this. Um, and so, what, what kind of goes on from this is, is a lovely meeting between. Um, our child Sindel, uh, who meets Wicket, mm-hmm. Wick, um, sorry, Wicket the Ewok, and form a little bond or a little friendship, which becomes this really pure, um, cute little friendship that carries them throughout, throughout the, um, throughout the, well, throughout the film. And it's yeah. nice, isn't it, that they eventually are taken to someone who you are very fond of, James. A cer- oh yeah, a certain low grey. Logray the shaman Logray the shaman This is why I was excited to watch this Because I knew that Logray was in it at some point Um, And I feel like I'm saying Logray And there's going to be people at home who are like Who the hell is he talking about Mm. Um, He's he's the Ewok shaman from the village in Return of the Jedi 
and he fills his role in the film like they're the two kids are trying to find where their parents have gone yeah um and so the other rewalks say oh we're gonna you know take you to logray and he's gonna they don't say it because they don't speak at all but the narrator says that the ewoks are gonna take the kids to logray the shaman yeah. and he's gonna find out where the parents are yes um I don't know why I love Logray so much. I really don't. Okay. I think he's just the Ewok that I liked the look of the most. He's as a got kid, a. He's got a very. He's got a, a very unique aesthetic, right? Doesn't he have the? Yes. Is he the one that has the skull kind of hat or the headdress I, on? Yeah, yeah. He's got like an elaborate headdress with a kind of skull on it and like a totem staff. Um, and this kind of striped fur. He just looks really cool. Looks, and I'm gonna he, do he, a deep dive on him at some point. He looks like what he looks like if a goth was an Ewok. I'm just gonna put it out there. Yes. He's got he's, yeah. just, he's, he's the grunge. <laughs> he's the grunger out of it. He's the one who stands yeah. out. He's the one who wants to be a little bit unique, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do indeed. So he um he does a little ritual to try and figure out where Mace and Sindel's parents have gone. Yeah. Um and it's he does this thing with a spinning top, right? Where he yeah. kind of sets it on the table and chants or something, um, and the kids look into the spinning top. Yeah. And at some point, Sindel sees the face of uh, her parents. Yeah. Um, and they figure out from this, I believe, that the parents, Jeremit and was it Jeremy and Katarine? I think so. Yep. It's just Jeremy and Catherine, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy and Katarine. Yeah, they figure out by looking into this this spinning top. Um, that the parents have been taken by a creature called the Gorax. Yeah. Which you were very excited by. The Gorax, indeed. It's this, I mean, this, uh, why wasn't it a Star Wars celebration, James? I want to know. <laughs> um, it's this incredibly big um, sort of troll giant meets mm. creep, like almost sort of an ogre-ish figure very much an ogre yeah and and um and it's absolutely terrifying and it, yeah and, it, and for a young person watching this it would have absolutely struck the fear in me if i was watching this back in whenever mm. it was released 1984 1985 um yeah and, and um and it, yeah it's 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 certainly one of those ones those creatures where i wish we'd i don't know it, it puts a bit more fear into the landscape mm. that is Endor, this forest moon. Yeah, because we see a lot of like creatures throughout this. I mean, obviously we see things like llamas and ferrets throughout the <laughs> film, but we also see um, there's like a kind of big wolf creature that attacks the kids one night in the forest. Um, there's some sort of like giant snake thing that yeah. at some point Mace sticks his hand in a tree stump and this creature like latches onto his hand. Yes, yes, um, very much so, Flash yeah, Gordon it's... inspired. I yeah. yeah, it's really cool seeing these predators. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't seen the Gorax in something else. Like, I know there's nothing else that's really been to Endor, but I yeah. feel like if the Bad Batch went to Endor, for example, yeah. Dave yeah. Filoni is the kind of person who would bring the Gorax back. Oh, but I imagine a Star Wars Battlefront 2 mod where it's, you mm. know, the, the hunts that you do on that with the Imperials yes. and the Ewoks, just an added yeah. addition to where suddenly the Gorax <laughs> comes out, which sort of you have to suddenly escape from or try, try and be the last one standing from would be really yeah. cool. Well, it's funny you mentioned Battlefront, because I did find out that in the 2015 Battlefront, um, on the Endor map, there is actually the Gorax cave that you can go into. Oh, really? And it's got, like, the cage that um, that he's got in there and things like that. Oh, I didn't Which know I think that. pretty cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow, I need to... Yeah. Wow, not, not, the, not the second one, but the first one, is that right? 
Yeah, the yeah the first one from 2015. Wow. Sadly, the Gorax itself doesn't appear, but you can at least go and check out his house. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find images of that. That's <laughs> I didn't know that, James. That's yeah. so cool. I that love that. Cool. Then that it's still you know in some sort of medium in some way. It lives on. Mm. Um, only the diehard fans will know. Um, yeah. So they do see their parents in this spinning top, and I do like this in this this assumption from the get go that there is there is magic at foot from the Ewoks. Mm. There is weird things at foot that the Ewoks can do, which no one else can. And this sort yes. of sets that up, right? Yeah, and it's kind of the whole thing about Endor and this. Like, it's a very much a magic forest um, rather than, like, you know, Logray's not using the Force to do anything. It's it's actual magic, yeah. which I, I find really interesting. It's not something that you see in Star Wars because now everything, like, even the Night Sisters' magic is linked to the Force. Um, yes. But it's... I, I find it really interesting seeing this like early um a bit like when we're talking about those Lando Calrissian books for example like this early era of Star Wars where they're still finding their feet on what things can be or yeah. what can be in there and I imagine George Lucas is like yeah sod it let's have magic why not yeah. <laughs> why not you know yeah he, my daughter George wants Lucas some magic we'll have magic teddy bears yeah it's like we can't have the force what can we have um yeah magic shamans yes next best thing um it's like yeah the the, the fluffy bear the fluffy bear version of the night sisters on dathomir it's yes. basically that um and there's it, there's a lot of that sort of feeding through mm. through the film and it and and a lot of things that are left unexplained at a yes. lot of points um like you said james there is a there is a kind narrator who does explain mm. the events of some of the some of the things that happen in the film and moves the action along, which is very useful. Um, yeah. Um, they don't sometimes mention what happens with the magic, though, um, which we'll get no. on to maybe at another <laughs> point. But they see... So they see their family in the spinning top, don't they? Mm-hmm. And from that point on, they basically reason with Low Grey alongside um, Wicket and the other Ewoks to send out or help them to go on a journey to find their parents and to mm. rescue them from the dreaded... Gorax. Yes. Um, and it's and and this is that point at the beginning of Lord <laughs> of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where everyone's yeah. sitting around there, <laughs> you know, they're sitting around the camp, they're going, Who will be you know, who will be with me? And then Logray stands up and go, You will have my axe or something. Mm. And and it, it's it's very much that kind of moment. I was wondering if you got the same thing, because um when they're kind of assembling essentially like the fellowship of courage or whatever, um, they do Logre gives each member of this group some gifts to take with them on the journey. Like they've got, um, what is it like, the red wings of courage and the yeah. candle of pure light and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. it reminded me a lot of in Lord of the Rings when Galadriel gives the Fellowship gifts before they go yes. down the river. Except yeah. like in the Lord of the Rings, it's much cooler gifts. Like it's a bow of the Galathrim and yeah. some sick elven knives. Whereas yeah. this is like you yeah. got a rock in- and a tooth. Yeah. That's it. I was gonna say. So. Um... Yeah, Mace gets a rock and he's not yes. pleased with it at all. He's no, just, he wanted he's like, a magic crystal. He's like, "Wow, I get, but this is just a stupid rock." And then I think he kind of throws it away at one yeah. point. Um, Someone, luckily, an Ewok uh, picks it up um, yes. uh, on the as soon as he sees it. But yeah, they all get given these magic, these supposedly magical gifts, and it's just it's it's quite nice that mm. um, at first you think that this rock are you well you don't really know if this these things have magical powers at the beginning for all you know they might um certainly with low low gray's use of the spinning tabletop um Mm. at first i certainly thought that these were just going to be things that 
the Ewoks carried, which helped give them courage. Yeah. Hence Caravan of Courage. And yeah. they didn't have magical properties, but at least they were there to help give them strength. And mm, so, cause, yeah. Because three it, of them are yeah. like winged kind of headdresses. Yes. Um, they're called like the White Wings of Hope, the Red Wings of Courage, and the Blue Wings of Strength. Yeah. And they don't, they never give like the Ewok, you know, greater strength or something. No. So I imagine it was just like a ceremonial thing that maybe you'll wear this and you'll feel braver than you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Because the only one that really has much magic is the candle that Sindel gets. Yes. Because um, she says yes. it never burns down. Mm. But yeah. yeah, the other's just like, oh, is that just a rock or is that just a tooth? Are these just some feathers? <laughs> Like with anything in Star Wars, never take anything as it seems. There's always something. <laughs> there's always something in there, um, and uh, and so they go on and they convince the Ewoks to go to go on their journey, and they mm. form the amazing caravan of courage, which <laughs> then goes on this incredible journey by foot um, to go and save their parents. So they mm. they go on their way. Um, Sintel goes in this little um, this little uh, carriage on horseback. Yes, mm-hmm. they have horses yeah. in the Caravan of Courage. Horses are canon in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah can um, we just touch on the real-world animals that are all canon in, in this yeah, show? Okay. We've got horses and we got ponies. Horses. Yes. Ferrets. <laughs> llamas or alpacas. I don't really know what the difference is. Um, yeah. There was an owl at one point. There was. I'm sure there are more. But yeah. how it's so weird, isn't it? Seeing, it's like, so strange. It yeah. really is. It, it, Someone it, in a flight suit talking to an Ewok and then suddenly a ferret runs across the table. <laughs> I wonder if half of these things were animals from the Skywalker Ranch <laughs> that yes. Lucas just uses. Yeah, because uh, like, it was it could... filmed not far away. It was, yeah. It was all filmed mostly in Northern California, wasn't it? Yeah, Marin County, I think. Yeah, so it could well be of just <laughs> Lucas's animals. <laughs> like, go on, take them. Yeah, we don't need them. Um, I've got this rabbit. I've got a cat. I've got a fish yeah, tank. Can we put yeah. the fish tank in there? There's a Wait, there's a lizard at one point, isn't there? There is, yes. And a mouse, I think. And a mouse, yes. So they all make a little appearance, these little yeah. things. Um, <laughs> so they, they go on um, this journey... Um, Mace has this thing where he doesn't want to get in the carriage with Sintel because he yeah. thinks it's, it's for kids. Bless mm. him. He's like, I'm not going to do that. That's for kiddies. I'd rather walk. <laughs> and he goes and walks at the head of the... I'm a man. I'm a man. He he very much carries himself as that, you know, mm. that teenager wanting to be stronger than he is in yes. order to appear strong for his little sister, I suppose, and being the, being the sort of the male figure of the family, which is, you know, a, a little, you know, um, a little bit of the... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's It's typical of the time, I suppose. Yeah, because I'm just looking on Wikipedia. I think he's about 14 in this, which kind of fits at that age of like, no, I'm not a child. Yeah. I'm an adult now. Yeah, and Sintel is around, I think, four. Um, yeah, I think she's so. She's really young. Yeah, I heard that um, Aubrey Miller, the girl that plays Sindel, was apparently too young to like remember her lines properly, so she had to keep being fed them during scenes. Yeah. Um, which I'm not surprised when you're four years old acting in this. That's quite a big ask. That's a really big ask. So she does... I mean, I can imagine she would have literally just had someone with a script in hand just off camera. Yeah. Just literally, yeah, talking to her. <laughs> Bless her. Bless her little heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, she doesn't say a lot, but yeah, no, it's quite doesn't. a big deal when you're four years old. Yeah. So they go, and the next thing they do is they eventually um, encounter what what is a... A tree falls. Oh, right yes, I remember them, this now. Yeah. I remember and what it, happens it, now. <laughs> it's this whole thing where the tree falls down and there's this bit where, um, uh, what's his name? Mace gets very annoyed. Mm, He's like, why yeah. would you, you know, gosh, who did this? And the Ewok is essentially using an axe to fell this tree very close yeah. to their caravan. And he gets, to why be fair, are you doing it did this? nearly crush the girl. 
He did. I felt like the girl comes out of the tree going up. Yeah. Like she comes out with leave, leave. So yeah, very much almost killed Cinta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this little Ewok called Chuka Trock, who's like a kind of brave woodsman. Um, and when Mace is looking around angrily, Chuka Trock comes out with his axe. He's like, ha, 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 what a funny joke. Um, and, and Mace really doesn't take very well to him. And they have no. a little bit of a tiff and a little yeah. bit of an argument. Yeah. Which they do you remember how they settle it? They settle it through yeah some axe throwing. <laughs> um, very much could uh, you know it could be an Olympic sport I suppose on on Endor now. Um, yes. But, so he he challenges challenges the Ewok to a bit of axe throwing, and so Mace does throw it and it's fairly okay. It hits a tree, but mm-hmm. the um, Chuck throws his own axe and and is even more accurate than Mace. Um, Mm -hmm. which stuns him and kind of convinces Mace that he might be a useful ally on their their journey, which, you know, I think it's always useful to have a bit of a, a, you know, a tomahawk thrower in a caravan, don't you? You you want someone with that kind of skill. They can do anything. (laughs) They can chop up close and they've got range. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So far, they've got a load of cuddly teddy bears who have a few pointed sticks, but they Mm -hmm. need some, they need a range. (laughs) They need someone with range. Yeah, they, they they they're going through the typical Lord of the Rings where they've got warriors. <laughs> they need they've got um, healers, but now they need their archer and they need their mage. Mm. And <laughs> let's just say that the axe thrower is their archer in a way. Yeah, so oh, imagine is Legolas. <laughs> imagine how devastating the fellowship would be if Gimli could throw his axe as well as swing with it. Oh my gosh, he would be unstoppable, wouldn't he? <laughs> but then he'd lose it. Then he would lose his axe. That's true. You need yes. one of those magical ones in a video game that comes back to you. Yes, yes, just like uh, like the 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 um, yeah, me- um, the hammer in Thor, yes. sort of like oh, that. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they then go on to meet someone else, don't they? So they pick they some- do someone else next. You, um, you did just say about a spellcaster. I did. I was sort of setting that up. So James, uh, who do they meet next? They they go on and they meet a little Ewok called Kenk the Priestess. Yeah. Um, to so they, there's a couple of gifts weren't there that weren't assigned to people from Logray. Yeah. Um, there's this tooth that ended up being given to Chukatrok when he joined the caravan. And then this crystal, this like magical crystal totem. Um, and so they give that to Kenk the Priestess. And I, there's some sort of test, isn't there? Like, I can't remember yeah. why they had to pass this test, but the crystal was given to to Mace, first of all. Yeah. Um, and it turns into a lizard. That's inexplicably. right. Yeah. And then it's not really Sindel, explained why it just does. no. And then Sindel picks up the lizard and it turns into a mouse. Yeah. And after that, Kink agrees to join them. Yeah. And I yeah. I won't pretend to understand any of what happened in that scene. <laughs> just, I, just, I was like, okay, that happened, and I suppose we move <laughs> on now. The, the narrator doesn't say anything at this point. No, I guess the mouse kind of makes sense for Sindel because it's like you know a white mouse kind of suggests innocence and I suppose um, so. And I don't know something of that kind, but I don't really know what the lizard is meant to mean. Is that does that mean that he's he's sly and can hide himself and maybe I don't I don't know. Yeah, because like, I would have thought at this stage when Mace is very much like I don't really want to interact with any of this. I don't care. I don't like it. Like I thought the crystal would have done nothing in his hand, and then yeah. Sindor is the one because she's you know trusting the Ewoks that she's the one able to actually use it. And I suppose it is a weird thing, but we have mm-hmm. our mage at this point. We have our person yes. who is who is a priestess in in endor and suddenly decides to join the caravan so now they have another one and they go on uh they go on on their adventure and there is a 
sequence where um, one of the horses carrying Sintel kind of runs away, mm-hmm. which serves as sort of the continuation of what we've just talked about, where I can't remember which Ewok goes and rescues her, no, but one of them goes on horseback. Possibly Chukatrok. He gets on a horse and and goes and chases after them and eventually brings the caravan back mm-hmm. um, and Sintel back to the party. And there's <laughs> this bit where Mace <laughs> sees them and keeps going, they're, they're here, they're back, and keeps repeating <laughs> it over and over again, as as they do. <laughs> uh, as all as all 1980s scripts do they love repetition yeah. <laughs> um and brings them back and that serves as something else as you know one of them is rescued um mm. rescued either one or you know one or both of them in this time um, yeah and then they get to <laughs> this encampment for the night james yeah they do <laughs> And so this is where this incredible firefly sequence occurs, mm. where this, well, yeah, basically what can only be described as a firefly, begins to uh, <laughs> enter the scene and, and starts to fly around Mace. And Mace goes mm. out and sees this and starts to chase it around. And it, and it, and it, and it goes, it almost feels like it's leading Mace on and to the point where it lands in the yeah. ground. And it's making these little noises as well to suggest it is somewhat alive in the sense. And, and he goes up to close to it, and it suddenly it bursts into almost like a hundred of these little yes. miniature fireflies going around and 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 disturbing the caravan, and they all wake up. And James, I don't know if you saw this, <laughs> but I love this section where yeah. basically one of the Ewoks, like they all get up and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening?" Yeah. And there's one Ewok that comes out of a tent, and he almost looks kind of like, "Ugh." I'm so I'm so done with this, and he just kind of goes back into the tent. That's so me. <laughs> There's so much franticness, and and like, oh my goodness, and this one you walks like, <sighs> he just goes back in. Tag yourself, it's me. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, that's definitely me in that instance. <laughs> so, yeah, what, what did you think of this scene, James? This was very bizarre, because like I said, I started tuning out a little bit before this and starting to do some other things, and I heard like a commotion and looked up and suddenly they were being chased by these kind of like fiery fairy things that were flying around yeah. in the sky. It looked very much like a sort of Tinkerbell character, because yeah. um, there's one of them that uh, is later identified as Queen Isrina, yeah. Um, who's the kind of like head of the Wisties, I think they are called, isn't it? The Yes. These like yeah, fairy right. creatures. Yeah. Um she yeah, this queen is Rena ends up joining their caravan as well. Like she takes a liking to Mace. I think he cups her into his hand and puts her in a pocket or something. That's um, right. It's such yeah. a bizarre sequence, but I kind of love it. <laughs> I kind of like it. It does sort of have this um I'm because because obviously it serves to give uh, so it gives use to Sintel's objects because yes, all of the Wisties, all of the Wisties, sort of form a little uh, Wistie hurricane or tornado mm. around her candle as she comes out, and it and they all condense into one, don't mm. they? Yes, and it's almost like it, it, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I can't exactly explain <laughs> what happens or why that <laughs> happens. It's like what's the symbolism behind that? Is that like? she leads, you know, her innocence or something mm. leads the way and lights the way and can, I can see, you know, can see their true form. I can see, yeah. like, reveals their true self. I don't, I don't know. I think so, because it's, it's called the candle of pure light, which I imagine is the, the same idea as, like, the, the white mouse as well, that Sindel's like this, this kind of vessel of innocence that everybody wants to help her or, yeah. Um, and so she draws, like, these wisty creatures to her. 
Yeah. Um, I yeah. I don't know why I liked them so much. I think I just like the idea that like they look like they're magical, but they could just be a tiny alien. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of creatures like that that's seen in expanded media that are like kind of tiny pixie like things. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just like there's something about it that just seems to work, even though it, it seems so out there, like it's a Disney show or something. It, yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed them, and it all serves the point, building right up to mm. this. Uh, this culmination of events where they eventually uncover or they they encounter the 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 cave yes um, which mace let's just not let's just say he puts his rock down and he, <laughs> it breaks open to reveal some sort of like claw or some sort of a pointed thing like an arrowhead an arrowhead or, or something? something i think so they're faced with like a rock wall aren't they they can't find a way into the they know where the Gorax lives, but they can't get into its cave because it's blocked by fallen rocks or something. Yeah, yeah. And Mace breaks open this little rock. And this little arrowheady thing or pointy something, it drops down to the ground and then like magically squirms forward and finds a point <laughs> in the rock wall where they can break through into a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not explained at all how it happens. Just but roll with it. <laughs> it just happens. And yeah. Mace, in the badass way he is, he gets out a blaster and goes, yes. I can just blast this rock open. And he does. <laughs> yeah. He just shoots it and it blows open, which is pretty cool. Why does um, this 14-year-old boy have a gun? <laughs> why is it such a powerful gun as well? Yeah. Like, that is, that is you know, that's some heavy-duty weaponry he's got yeah. there to blow open this, like, 10, 50-ton rock. A boulder. Yeah. You think at the end of The Last Jedi when the Resistance is stuck in Crate and they find that tunnel but it's blocked by fallen rocks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll never get out. Like, just shoot them, apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just just turn your turn your blasters up to full intensity, like yeah. 100, and just put it on full beam. And there you go, done. <laughs> Eventually they just shoot through the boulders and hit Ray accidentally. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't be good. Um, so they go in and they event... Sorry. <laughs> I just imagined her on the other side, like starting to lift the rocks, and then suddenly Finn's blaster shoots through and just hits her in the shin. And she's like, ow, what the hell? Ow, why did you do that? Sorry. And then all the rocks come crashing down and stuff falls on a rebel. (laughs) Sorry. Oh dear. So funny. they go into the they go into the cave. Yes. um, This also reaffirms my feeling that this is a Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, because they go into what she feels like Shelob's lair. Oh yes, there was definitely a Shelob bit in there. There was a Shelob in there because they go. Um, let's just say they leave um, Sintel behind with a cup with Wicket mm. and another Ewok, and they go and find this little passage they have to cross. It's like a, it's like a, um, a spider cobweb, but it's like it, it's you can clearly see it's sort of rope and rigging <laughs> that the characters can yeah. carry along, but it's dressed in spider cobwebs. Right? It's very much the kind and... of thing you'd find at like an outdoor playground or something, but just yeah, dressed up ex- like it's a spider web. Exactly. And so they they go across it and this starts a ferocious attack from a big, mm. big spider. But mm. this is actually quite a scary sequence, James. Yeah. I like the, yeah, the, the spiders are quite terrifying in their it's design. It's pretty big. Like it's bigger than Mace, I think. Um, yeah. It's got this very yeah. menacing like eyes and teeth and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. And Mace, is... Mace starts fighting it with his little knife. Yeah. Um, and they have that moment, don't they, where he, like, he stabs it and it falls down the chasm. And they think, like, oh, great, yeah. the spider's gone. We're all safe. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the spider hasn't gone. They're not all safe. <laughs> it's 
literally that because another spider comes down and starts mm. attacking one of the we- one of the Ewoks. I can't remember which one. Yes, I think specifically. it's Wicket. I think it might be Wicket. Oh, it's Wicket. Okay, so and it, it kind of in- yeah, it, it, it surrounds it and it's really terrifying. Mm. And then I think it's Chuck a Troc or Low Grey. No, sorry, no, it's the Priestess, isn't it? Is it the priestess? Yes, with the magic staff. With the magic staff, kind of um, lulls it into a a sort of spell, which stops yeah. it from attacking. And so they get across, they drop the spell, and then what do they do? They cut the rope or the cobweb, sending that mm. spider tumbling down into the chasm. So goodbye, yes. Mr. Spider. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The spiders were not done yet. <laughs> the spiders were not done yet. Because I mean, they will it's... go on and attack Literally, Sintel. if you don't see yeah. the spider dead, you know it's still out there somewhere in the yeah, house. Exactly. Same yeah. same principle. There's just a safety net down there, isn't there? There's yeah. just like a little sort of bouncy trampoline, <laughs> which they just... They hit go, the bottom and spring back up again. Exactly, yeah. We never see that bounce because it's so Doing. far down that it's at least 10 minutes before they hit it. <laughs> and they come all the way back up. Oh. Which point they go and attack um, Sintel, which mm. is actually a pretty scary and quite an interesting scene. This is the point where yeah. I kind of sat up and went, oh, my goodness. Oh, I think like, this is actually where Wicket is. I think, yeah, this is the Wicket fight with the spider. That's what I thought. And yeah. Wicket basically kind of stabs that spider to hell with it with yeah. a little knife. He, he Sam gouges he it. He Sam gouges that. He does. <laughs> he just stabs that thing. And yeah, he saves the day. So good on you, Wicket. Good it's literally him, the same kind of fight. Like the spider ends up on top of him and he's trying to stab it and the spider's trying to like pin him down. And then Wicket just shoves this knife or this spearhead up into the spider from below. And yeah. it is just like the Shelob fight from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. And I, and he... I would love it if like George Lucas, because I'm sure he's read the Lord of the Rings. I'd love yeah. it if like someone at least was inspired by that and tried to recreate yeah. it with this. And then Peter yeah. Jackson maybe watched this when he was younger and recreated yeah. it in Return of the King. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I would have loved that. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I don't Can know you how you'd ever verify that, but I would love it if that's the case. What were my what were my influences? Caravan of Courage, sorry <laughs> to say. And um, and so they go through having done all this, um, mm. and they eventually find their parents in this um, in this sort of space in the cave where yes. there is a there's a fire on, and they're stuck in this cage somewhere dangling up in the in somewhere up above, mm. um, and there's a little table. And the characters are sort of walking around thinking, what is this? What is this place? And what comes out, James? It's the Blooming Gorax. It's the Blooming Gorax. Big, like, however many feet it is. Like, it's 15, huge. 20 feet. It's absolute and, and ugly as hell. Yeah. It's really ugly. Like, some sort of, um, like, I don't know, like some sort of werewolf type face. And it's very and... much like a kind of giant from a fairy tale, isn't it? Like you said, the parents are up in a cage and there's a kind of table as if they're being... Like yeah. save there for his meal later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't I, forget, it, he's he's got a bloody yeah. big axe. He's got a bloody big axe. I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, so he can go out and just yeah, he can lock people to death if he wants. But he, yeah, he returns to his table eating some sort of meal. <laughs> who knows what that is? He's eating. Maybe it's a previous another human who landed there. Yeah, who knows? Oh, maybe it's a spider. For all we know, oh, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully, be. maybe that's why the cave is so full of spiders. Like, if the Gorax eats them, maybe they're actually being kept there as like livestock, <laughs> and the maybe. kids have just come across and trampled on his farm. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, and he gets so angry. Like, why would you do yeah. this? Yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> he was actually keeping the parents in a cage to keep them safe from the spiders. 
exactly <laughs> he's actually a really nice guy yeah yeah you say no do not attack my do not attack my pets you cannot do that <laughs> um so all the every all the heroes scramble and mm. the the um the gorax kind of goes away doesn't he kind of or it kind yeah. of walks away and they decide to rescue the family so they go up there with a rope and Mace is eventually reunited with the family, which is a lovely moment. Um, mm. And they get everyone down. Um, not before, however, the dreaded monster returns. Yes. Isn't that right? He fee-fi-fo-fums. He does fee-fi-fo-fum. He fee-fi-fo-fums very dramatically and violently, <laughs> which um, results in... I can't, what, I can't remember what exactly happens at this point. Is this the point where they... Like, does it try to follow an Ewok? Does it see an Ewok at this point? Yeah, I, it? I think it notices Mace and the parents getting down from the cage. Um, hmm. And then one of the Ewoks distracts it by, like, hiding under a basket and running in yeah. front of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so the Gorax chases after this... I can't remember which Ewok it is. It chases after this Ewok under a basket and eventually... Um, like corners it and stamps on the basket but then when it lifts the basket up the ewok's nowhere <laughs> and then yeah. suddenly it runs out from behind the gorax it's this kind of hilarious chase where the ewok is like just weaving in and out of rocks and stuff trying to get just enraging the gorax yeah yeah so yeah. funny it's so I great found it funny it's great because it also shows you just how how agile and mischievous the ewoks are yeah. and what skills they bring to the table yeah, it was this really, like, I found it genuinely cool, this combination of, like, their mischievous side, but also their survival nature. Like, yeah, yeah. it seemed like exactly who the Ewoks are that they would do this. I yeah. liked it. It's <laughs> I feel funny. like I'm being very defensive about my about how much I enjoyed this film. <laughs> you do not, do not slate it. It is a good film, and I will I would die on this hill. Caravan of Courage exactly. is... Caravan of Courage is at least t- top 10 Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> top 10 so, out of episodes 1 to 9. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Mace gets everyone out, but mm. there is an Ewok left behind. And yes. Mace has to go back for this Ewok. Um, and if I remember rightly, it's Chuck-a-Troc I that think he has to go so. back. Yeah, yeah Chuck-a-Troc has to go back and say Because Chuck-a-Troc, like, bravely attacks the Gorax with its axe. Um, yeah. with his own axe not the Gorax's axe there, there's so many axes in this there's um, lots but yeah, yeah. Chuck-a-Troc like, very much does the hero thing of like no I'll hold him off you get everyone back <laughs> and yeah. like go go don't look back <laughs> and Mace is like no I must save you so he, and he's and we won't leave him out we're not going to leave this caravan behind yes and he goes and the this is when the giggle fairy comes back into play <laughs> And just as he, the Giggle Fairy, was essentially tickling and distracting mm. and, and and doing that with all of the people um, in one of the previous scenes, it cut, it it jumps out and it starts to um, tickle and touch the Gorax and fly around it, making it distracted. And that mm. gives our heroes the chance to try and get away. Um, however, um, Chukatrock mm. doesn't. Something happens to Chuck a Chop, doesn't it, James? He gets a little bit squished. He does, doesn't he? He's a falling rock situation. Yeah. Which, um, Ray, Ray, Ray just sort of dropped the rocks on him. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't hold it for long enough. Um, I think the Gorax knocks something over. And yeah, this, it's kind of this... stumbling into the cave walls and like that's causing stuff yeah. to fall off the ceiling. 
That's right. And Chukatrok is unfortunately killed. Yeah. Um, so it's a very sad moment. I suppose Mace has this um, has this guilt really a couple mm. of scenes prior to that. You know, he realizes that all these thing, all these Ewoks are, are sacrificing something to help save their parents. Yeah. And so therefore, he's you know the fact that one of them is losing their life for their parents. Yeah. Mace, is troubled by that and obviously is really affected by that. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. But, you know, he moves on quite quickly. <laughs> he goes and get he, he takes something from Chukatrok, doesn't he? He mm. takes... Um, he takes Chukatrok's axe. He takes the axe and that's going to be very important, isn't yes. it, in a couple of moments' time because the, Gaur- the Gorax eventually follows them. Mm-hmm. Um, the dad... And the um, Ewoks, I think the mum maybe, but we'll, I can't remember exactly. They try to hold a rope just yeah. like they do in the Return of the Jedi yeah. where they try to trip up the ATSTs. They try to do exactly the same thing <laughs> with this Gorax. Maybe this and is where they learned it. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is it. <laughs> that would be such a cool headcanon. I love that. Yeah, Caravan we of learnt, Courage, the origin it, of the Ewoks rope. Yeah, we learned it from Mace and Jeremy, <laughs> the cool <Yeah>. humans. <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> and I didn't realise when they did that that mm. there was going to be this big hole, this big gap on the other side of when he tripped. Cause yeah, I forgot there was a chasm there. Yeah, so did I. So when he eventually does trip, he falls towards the chasm, which they crossed mm. earlier, and just falls short of it, um, mm. just enough to sort of be on the edge and gets very annoyed. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that, you, you <laughs> annoying kids. Um, for for the moment, we think that the, our hero is in desperate need and, and, and they're going to be in it here. But Mace comes to the rescue, of course, with his blaster, which he had earlier. Mm. And uh, shoots the Gorax in the shoulder, which kind of gives that extra um, jolt for the Gorax to tumble down into the chasm, falling down to the depths. Or so we believe. Or certain the narrator. <laughs> <laughs> he did he did not. Because <laughs> suddenly that blooming Gorax starts climbing up the wall, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's pretty big. Maybe it didn't fall like that far <laughs> relative to the no. spiders earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does he does a dark ball, James. He yes. Just, he, he starts climbing back up and he tries to attack Sintel mm. um, to our hero's dismay. Which point, James, the axe comes in handy, doesn't it? Yeah, Mace's axe-throwing skills come back because he he sees the Gorax attacking his sister and he hefts Chukatrok's axe and lobs it across the cavern. And I think he gets the Gorax like in the back of the head or something. It's oh, was pretty... it? I thought it was. I thought it was sort of back of the shoulder blades. I might have been shoulder blades. Yeah. 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 It yeah. looks it painful shot, wherever though. it hit. <laughs> it's a decent shot because yeah. that that is a wide chasm. Like yeah. it, it takes a lot of heft. We'll put yes. it that way. For and a forcing your like digs in there (laughs) yeah the gorax is done enough for it to let go and yeah yeah, falls right down there Mm. um hopefully forever this time because uh (laughs) unless it hits the trampoline at the bottom and bounces back up again (laughs) we didn't see it die james no (laughs) you know it could be back if all we know so blooming hell maybe we'll have a return (laughs) of the gorax at some point in the future but eventually they use a rope to swing across the chasm and everyone's reunited. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Everyone's the, happy. The parents, it's a happy sequence. You know, it's great. The parents are, you know, the, the kid, Sintel's like, you know, we thought you were dead. And the dad's like, 
turns to Mace and goes, I'm very proud of you, son. Mm. Which is a lovely, lovely moment. And then we come to our final sequence, which is basically the party scene at the end of Return of the Jedi, (laughs) except without the same music. Um, Slightly different, but the dad has this lovely moment where he looks to one of the the Ewoks and goes, you know, we are two happy, proud fathers. Mm. And they share a moment. (laughs) And... um, and yes, so the Tawani, the, the the family decide to stay with the Ewoks until they can repair their starship. Mm. Um, and the little giggle fairy leaves to go back to her family. Yeah, it's uh, the Ewoks love a party at the end of a journey, don't they? They do, don't they? And you can, you, I bet you, they throw a really good one. Oh yeah, I bet like they they, they bring out all the stops, don't they? They have yeah. they have a big spread. They've got the food out. They <laughs> they they go mad. They love music. They love to dance. I bet it's a real riot. It's <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> uh, and I hope so, and I I uh, hope so because you know that was that was a traumatic experience mm. what they went through. I would hope yeah. they they made it at least worth it on their arrival. So <laughs> yeah. so that's it, James. That that's, was an Ewok adventure. That's our Ewok adventure, Caravan of Courage, and um and I certainly like you said came away with it with certainly a fondness to it mm. and i kind of enjoyed the 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 purity and the childlike nature of it um and yeah it wasn't so bad was it yeah i think if i was a kid in 1984 and i watched this like if i was i don't know 10 or something i reckon i would really like it and probably now be thinking like yeah i really loved that even if it's not as great as i remember it being i and yeah, yeah. i think it's and good and also and also this is the example of something which is actually directed at Mm. times by George Lucas himself, which a lot of people don't really seem to think. I mean, there are, um, I suppose not a lot of it was, um, because it was directed, I believe, by John Corti. Yes. But there were significant reshoots which were directed by George Lucas and obviously Mm. written by George Lucas. (laughs) And it's interesting to think that there is something post- Return, like Return of the Jedi, essentially, yeah. which is George Lucas made, and yeah, yeah, that's nice, isn't it? It is. It's interesting when you think of like the holiday special gets a pass for not being that great because George Lucas didn't have any involvement in it, and then like I think we were talking earlier about people saying you know about George Lucas being like everything he does in Star Wars is brilliant, and like he also did this, <laughs> like <laughs> which is like you, yeah. Which I'm not it's... saying is terrible, but I'm like, if you're gonna, you know, praise like the yeah, Empire Strikes Back and Revenge of the Sith, you've also got to remember he did Caravan of Courage. Yeah, um, however yeah. much involvement he had in it, it was still some. Yeah, but yeah, I I feel like it was George Lucas just like having a bit of fun with this world he'd created, like just doing a show for his daughter and not That's... caring about lore and canon and continuity. That's the thing, because they I think they pitched it to a lot of companies and it yeah. wasn't taken up. And so they, I think it eventually aired on a- ABC, but yes. I think the sort of approach to it very much had this sense of it was just Lucas and um, Lucas and a guy called, um, oh, what's his name? Bob Corot, who yeah. was from ILM, who were just sort of doing it for themselves and sort of yeah. just doing this little thing together. I read that Lucas said um, like it was a chance to use people from Lucasfilm that just didn't have much experience with doing live action stuff and yeah. like they he just wanted them to go out into the into the forest and have some fun which i think is really cool that you yeah. know he's just come off the back of the smash hit trilogy that's changed the face of cinema and like his next thing in this world is like yeah i'm just gonna get people who don't have much experience sticking behind a camera see what happens 
Yeah, yeah. And they got to use like some really, you know, um, old school techniques with it. They got to use yeah. a lot of stop motion animation for the Gorax, which yeah. feels interesting looking back on it. From it a, felt you know, very much like kind of King Kong, that sort of thing. Yeah, it does harken back to those sort of old monster movies mm. during the Gorax. And it does, it has this real nostalgia feel to it. But as you said, I think, like, like you said, they just had fun with it. They just yeah. wanted to make something which was very much t- catered for kids for George Lucas's child and I think they succeeded in that so mm. I you know I hope everyone else goes and watches this and sort of takes something positive away from it like we yeah. did um, <laughs> and uh, we're not saying if you don't you're a heartless person and, yeah, <laughs> sounds like we're we saying that <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things that I think you can easily watch it nowadays and and be like, oh, this doesn't make any sense for Star Wars. Like, there's no there's no magic ponds and no fairy creatures and like it doesn't fit with the world. I can I can see people watching it with that, and I can imagine like if I was watching it at a different time, I might come away thinking that. But yeah, when you kind of like suspend your disbelief a little bit and just go, yeah, this is whimsical. It's a bit nonsensical, but yeah. it's fun. It's just it's a kids' magical adventure that happens yeah. to be set on Endor. Like, it could be set anywhere else, but it's yeah. in the Star Wars universe, and that's why we're watching it. Yeah. I, th- I yeah. think people should go and see it. I th- recommend going to watch it. I, I, I agree. I dig agree. through I mean, Disney it, Plus for it. <laughs> it. It Dig through it. It's there. It's on Star Wars Vintage. It's 97 minutes, um, so it takes a little bit of your time, but, you know, basically an episode and a half of The Mandalorian at times. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it's a long episode, I suppose. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't take too long, but... Go ahead and uh, enjoy it, and maybe one day we'll watch ep- we'll watch the second one. Oh, yeah, we need to watch the Battle of Endor after this. <laughs> maybe season five. Maybe season oh, five. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, we've come yep. to the end of season four. We have, we have. But what's been what's been some of the highlights for you from from season four? Oh, there's been so many. Um, I need to, you know what? I need to get up our episode lists <laughs> and just have a little look through them because I know what you while, mean. While some of them, you know, come to my head, you know, some of them we recorded at least almost at Christmas. Yeah, um, and oh, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, I, some of them oh. we recorded before New Year. Like some of them are actually from 2022 that we recorded. Yeah, it's, That's it's quite mad. crazy how long ago that goes back to. But I suppose. I really, really enjoyed our our what if Unka Plut sto- mm. um, episode. Yes, um, I always, always enjoy our what ifs, and mm-hmm. that one just for me encapsulated um, <laughs> just the mad stories that can come out of basically just a stupid mm. little little situation. Like, what if they became <laughs> a Master Chef? Yeah. And I thought we came up with some incredible stories as a result. Yeah, I that really went places, and I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, and I loved your um, what was it? The bit where they try and go to the a Star Killer base and they give all the first order <laughs> troopers diarrhea. <laughs> I forgot I put diarrhea so, in this so, season. I, oh, it was what a, I mean, yeah, what a story, James. You went, you yeah, you proper went for the comedy aspects in some of them, and I loved it. I was next here season. For it. I'll go for the tragedy. Oh, next season I'll go for the musical. So, oh uh, no, that yeah, is you're not a tragedy. Like that. You know, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was a lot of other things I liked, but what was your mm-hmm. personal favourite? 
Um, I think I'm just looking through the episode list myself because I literally could only remember like the last two or three episodes. Um, yeah, I, the Shaq T one we did is quite fun. I've been that's one of those episodes I've been wanting to do for a long, long time, and yes. finally did it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You've been wanting to do that since season one. I think so. Yeah, and of course the Star Wars Celebration special we did in person yes. in yes. the same room. Yeah, with that was... coffee. <laughs> With coffee, um, with all of the cosplays around us, with yes. everything happening. That was incredible. I think that um, that almost felt like a fitting way to sort of culminate the season. Mm. Just to sort of have that sort of first in-person meeting, but to also do that episode surrounded by all that incredible buzz that was Star yeah. Celebration with all those announcements. Yeah. It, um, it felt like something different in a good way, if you see yeah. what I mean. And it felt like a kind of fitting time to do it because I think it was it's roughly like two years right now since we started talking about doing a podcast in the first place. Yeah. So it kind of felt fitting like to start then do like one in person at Star Wars Celebration around that time it was just really cool, I think, for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so many. And we won't get to do it. We probably won't get to do it again at Celebration because next time it's in Japan, James. Yeah, I, so I cannot can... afford that. <laughs> I can't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to go to Japan, but mm. we will just have to meet up in person again in Bristol. Yes, and uh, we'll do we'll do another live person epi- live in person episode. But yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, James, for being with me for mm-hmm. season four, and uh, likewise for, for be for being an incredible co-host. And of course, we will be back with season five. We've probably got a whole episode list to start going through mm-hmm. during our planning session. And yep, I can probably speak for you when we when I say that. We cannot wait to get back out. No, I really cannot wait to start planning that. But I guess before we do that, we have to wrap up this episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it me doing the outro? Yeah. Um, so, sorry. We want to know what you think about Caravan of Courage. Let us know your thoughts on social media at Moisture Farm Rep, or you can send us an email at moisturefarmpod at gmail.com. In fact, if you have any suggestions about topics, characters, or places in the Star Wars universe that we should discuss, send them away too. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Wheeler underscore deals. And I am at James16Matthews. And if you liked this episode, why not subscribe and leave us a review on your platform of choice? And of course, if you want to support the show, you can literally buy us a cup of Java juice at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep. Thank you for listening to James and I. We will be back next time or next season, to discuss Mm. more of the incredible universe that is Star Wars, with all your favourite what-ifs and deep dives into the background characters and stories that you never heard of, but, Mm. well, now you do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I was going to end that. It was going to sound really good, but, yeah, we'll just just end it there. Um, But, until then, we will see you next time on the Moisture Farm Report. your cider and your wine now i might have yeah i might do my wider do it do it do it